friends, welcome back to the Film Alchemist Podcast, the show where we look at movies we love, break them apart, to find out what gives them their magic. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, joined as always by my friend and uh, he, the truth on the court, <laughs> Alex Dandino. You know it's true. I saw the spin move once. <laughs> like, just once. All right, guys. Then I got winded. Yeah, just once. <laughs> That's all it took. It only took to once. All right, before tonight's episode, uh, a little business, guys. If you could take a second right now, leave us a rating and review wherever you find the podcast, especially if that happens to be Apple Podcasts. That helps us out a lot. It's a free, easy way. It takes a couple seconds. You can help us out. Uh, five stars, sentence or two on why you like the show. Helps us fight the algorithmic overlords and uh, find more alchemists to bring in here, guys. So we appreciate that. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel, Film Alchemist. Uh, we have video versions of our podcast there and some other cool stuff we're always working on. So make sure to join the fun there. You can email the show, filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. You can also find us on all the social media you're on. We especially like Twitter, at film underscore alchemist. Uh, great way to reach out to us. Let us know the movies you want to hear covered, whether that's new, old, double features, themes for a whole month, uh, guest hosts you'd like us to try to reach out to. Whatever you want, we would like to try to give that to you. So reach out to us, guys. We love hearing from you. All right. This March, it's madness here on the pod. Uh, all b-ball movies. Basketball, for those of you who... <laughs> Don't know the lingos. All right. <laughs> tonight. <laughs> Fuck you, man. Don't be trying to mess up. You can't mess up my game with your outside hatred. That's the thing. My game is unfuckwittable. No, no, don't even start so, with that. Don't even start down that. We haven't started the unfuckwittable game of my podcast hosting. I'm kind of the Jesus Shuttleworth of podcast host, but right. neither here nor there. <laughs> I would go more Jake, but sure. <laughs> the question is, are you my murderous dad or my... Child I would say daughter. you would definitely be the Jake Shuttlesworth in this analogy. How dare you? Anywho, he got game. A Spike Lee joint, Denzel Washington uh, film. I wouldn't say starring Denzel. That was kind of a surprise for me. Uh, we've actually gotten a request for this one in the past. We have a lot of people who've hit us up about sports movies, hence the March Madness Month. I had actually never seen this movie. I love Spike Lee. Love Denzel Washington. I got to say, this is not at all the movie I thought I was walking into, despite the fact that it's at least one hour too long. Um, again, I think what we did here on accident is people asked us to cover more sports movies. I think we kind of buy none of the movies we're covering this month. Followed the sports movie narrative, perhaps number four, but we'll get to that later. Um, this is a very different wild movie because at its core, this is essentially just a broken family movie, right? The father's son yes. uh, trying to find their place in the world story. And basketball is more of a background than I thought. Alex, you love this movie. Why don't you open us up? I do. This is unabashed. I am unashamed in saying this might be my second favorite Spike Lee movie. Like, I think. What's number one? Do the right thing. Do the right thing is do the That's right thing is impossibly good. Like, absolutely nothing will ever be better than do the right thing. It's like for me, like. Obviously, like Spike Lee is an incredibly talented filmmaker, but I think Do the Right Thing is just head and shoulders incredible. It's he a lightning bolt from the heavens, that movie. It is. And He Got Game is very different than Do the Right Thing, but 
it yeah. shares to me a lot of the same things that I like about do the right thing. Um, thematically and in a lot of like little vignetting storytelling type things. Um, there's stuff that just Spike Lee does in this movie that feels very authentic. And there's a lot of stuff about this movie that is very raw and real that look Griffey and I are, I'm going to say it. Griffey and I are not um, college basketball stars. We are not even college sports stars of any kind. Well, not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, we uh, sh- we uh, <laughs> we shirked that coil so we could env- enjoy the riches. Oh, I of forgot podcasting. we had YouTube of this. I was I was like, they, they'll never know. <laughs> they don't, oh, but no, actually, I remember. I can think my the end of my college basketball days was when. Some old timer was mad about me just boarding all over him. Again, just lingo, you know, for those of us that were in. Yeah. And uh, he intentionally took me out. I popped my ankle. And that's when I found out in college you can just get Vicodin refills all the time. So I was a classic, you know, living it up on the court. I had big dreams of winning intramural championships. Next thing you know, I'm slinging drugs. Hard but life. I- the thing I like the most about <laughs> thing I like just most brushed about, right past my harrowing story. Yeah, wow. Kind of like what Spike Lee did in this movie. <laughs> the thing I like most about this movie is that yes, it is like this. It's it's a lot about this father and son thing. But what it is is about to me a lot about parentage and inherited worth. Like when for me, Jesus looks at himself as the opposite of his father. He doesn't want to be anything like his father. But in so many ways, other than like one huge piece of who Jake Shuttlesworth is, Jesus Shuttleworth is essentially the successful version of Jake Shuttlesworth. There's a lot of this like and he sees that and he knows that. And I think that's the interesting thing is Jesus throughout the movie, played by Ray Allen, spends an inordinate amount of time resisting temptation and resisting other people's attempts to get him to do the essentially like the wrong look i grew i grew up in cleveland when lebron was coming up and i remember mm-hmm. he got i think he the somebody sold a jer- i remember it's very distinctly he had to be benched because like he got a free jersey from a sports store like <laughs> i remember it's like what does it fucking matter and in this movie he's literally being offered thousands of dollars and cars and shit and this is the kind of shit that happens all the time like this is not an uncommon yeah. thing and it's really fascinating to watch as this character who like is kind of essentially like supposed to be just the good person in this movie. Like the only yeah. person who's like morally upstanding in a sense. He's the well, there is there is very much attempted in the desert vibe, right? That Jesus is going through in this well, movie. Well, a- and it actually is incredible. Right <laughs> well, right. But that's what I but mean. That's what right? it, is. Like it, it feels on the nose at times, but. It is a pretty interesting choice in this movie because I think what you learn if you watch enough sports documentaries in this and that most people take the payday. Oh yeah. And if I'm being, I think they absolutely should. Sure. I think oh, it's totally. insane that people are just told you can't make money. Right? Absolutely. Like, no, if no, someone wants to no pay, you make reason. that fucking money. There's no reason yeah. kids who are that talented in high school should not be allowed to take take part in that especially again it's it's fucking insane it's ridiculous but this is this is the point though right is that jesus maintaining right that's that's the line he can draw is that he he actually knows that this basketball is a tool not of his ego this is how he's going to save his sister and save this broken down family and i think the weird thing for me in the movie is that 
Because, again, I, I think this movie is at least an hour too long, right? I mean, like, I think all movies that are over two hours are at least an hour, at least 30 minutes, if not an hour too long. I usually assume 90 minutes is the perfect, yeah. right? Maybe 100 if you're, like, really waxing me up. Right. I would say, but this is the thing, though, because like you said, there is a quality to what Spike Lee does in this movie. Like, just when they stop and did the testimonials, right, of Spike or uh, Ray Allen and his, like, five high school teammates. Right. You're like, that has no value to the stories we're telling, like the twofold story. But it's one of those Spike Lee things where it feels like you're being pulled. Like, it feels like a real moment with a high school team. Right. So, because this is the thing is that it, it should be. Right. It's the weird kind of two hander where it's it's not really Denzel's story for an enormous amount. I thought this was a Denzel movie. Right. And it's really not. He's kind of a background character who has his bits. Right. And then you're like, all right, it's Ray Allen's movie. Well, it's kind of not. He's kind of there to just be a Rorschach test for everyone else. And you you don't understand how much the environment becomes a character. The, the dead mom is a character. The basket, the basketball industrial complex becomes a character. Right. And so it is this, it, it felt like the movie was not committing to what the story was supposed to be in my mind. I'm not, you don't really mind because it, it, it is, I think the time is mostly well spent outside of that main story. Yeah. I mean, to be honest with you, like, I think what you're talking about, like, those kinds of things like watching for instance like the espn sports center bet on who jesus shuttle shuttlesworth is oh my god yeah zero percent interested throw that shit out sure but But then you're like oh they got barkley (laughs) well but hang on like (laughs) i understand the need to throw it out because yes it does take away from your 90 minute maxim but at the same time what it does is it indelibly brands this movie into the real world like i think that's a really important thing about this entire movie is while it is in my opinion at least a half an hour too long i can i can let this one go to minute i can let this one go to an hour 45 but it's a whole half hour too long for other reasons we'll get to but like those kinds of things (laughs) and those kinds of bits that brand it to the real world make this that much more make this that much more intense and like especially for Ray Allen who is a guy who has never acted before this movie who you can tell <laughs> yeah let's just say he would not be a number 1 fantasy draft pick for like a movie production i'm not saying he's again and it was, it was funny, supposed like, we were, to be kobe too i was, was supposed to be kobe earlier. but kobe had like the worst playoff season ever yeah. and so he decided to focus on his game and you know, it's uh, based on a Stefan, like loosely based on Stefan Marbury's story. I actually was reading, uh, who was it? Uh, Tracy McGrady, I think, was originally considered, but they thought he was a little too reserved. Yeah. And then uh, Alan Iverson literally just gave a bad performance. So they were like, we can't have either of those guys. Ray well, Allen. Because was- Alan Iverson, I feel like he's too much of like the chaos energy, right? Like right. he was one of the toughest, baddest dudes. Ray Allen in this movie becomes a perfect – he's almost like Dr. Manhattan-like. He's this superior physical being who just kind of floats through the movie. It's, and It's very interesting the way he's characterized, boy. and it is fascinating. He's, I'll say this, though. When he when he has to deliver, I think he does a pretty good job Well, and when this he has is, to. Well, and this is the thing that – like the scenes where he has to deliver, honestly, are yeah, the scenes – like the scene will not work if he doesn't hammer it. Are the scenes with Denzel. Like – and that's any actor's yeah. 
edict. Like when you're in a scene with Denzel, I think you have to deliver this <laughs> regardless. But imagine someone who's never acted before. And this is why this movie is so fascinating to me. And this is why while Denzel's not the main character of this movie, he is so important and looming over everything, not just because of his thematic impact, but because when he is in scenes with Ray Allen, the thing that I always like about this is Denzel Washington acting is not like, let me school you. Like it's not what it is, is it's not a one-on-one -on -one when he's when they're acting together. What it is, is him literally mentoring this person within the context of the scene, even, and just be like, listen, I am an amazing actor come to my level and let me show you how to get there. Like, that's what I think is fascinating to me is watching him and Ray Allen. I believe a lot more than I believe like him and Rosario Dawson, for instance, there's a lot there that is a little more acting. Yeah. And it has nothing to do with anyone's performance. I just don't buy it the way I buy Denzel. And that's because Denzel just knows how to bring an actor up within a scene. There's something about that that is so compelling and so fascinating to me. And I think that's yeah. why I'm always so drawn to this movies because no matter what, whenever we get a taste of Denzel, it's so fucking worth it in this movie. I mean, we'll get to the taste of Denzel scene in a minute. But <laughs> no, I mean, I think that's the... I, I agree with you completely. I thought that the scenes with Denzel and Ray were fascinating, right? Yeah. I think what my biggest beef with the movie, though, is it felt like Spike Lee has... And I think it's just the Spike thing, right? He He's a powerful voice. He has a lot of stuff he wants to say. And his movies become vehicles to, you know, say a lot. They're not mm -hmm. streamlined, focused narrative. Like, something like Do the Right Thing, you're like, that overarching theme is in every scene. But he's able to do these vignettes with all these different characters to illustrate it. Right. This one, I felt like the theme was somewhat lost at times, right? Because Denzel is so good in this movie, right? And I, I imagined a movie where Denzel gets out of jail and he actually has to confront what the fuck he did, right? That by at destroying this family because he's pushing his son to be what he could never be, what he failed to be, right? He was away. And then he comes back and sees his daughter and his son. And one of the things this movie does exceptionally well is shows you the absolute nightmare that Jesus lives through every day. Right. Right? It's It's beautifully laid out and it's horrifying and it's implications of how fucking hard and annoying it is just to be this guy right i think at one point he even says uh you know you don't fucking care about me you care about getting your piece of jesus right that's yep. his kind of he knows everyone is in that right mm -hmm. everyone he meets who's not his sister he can't fucking do it and the movie has this brilliant kind of built-in examination of that right the fact that his dad comes out unannounced is in the apartment and he just is the guy who fucking killed his mom. Yeah. And we see the last night when it happened, he also is the kid who was fucking smacking him around and being a horrible piece of shit. And the fact that when that guy shows up, Jesus lives such a life of kind of the Stepford life, right? Where everyone around him is trying to use or get something out of him. That even the guy that fucking abused him and killed his mother is he's somewhat wants that connection to reform, right? So I feel like that part of the movie was so powerful. I I mean, if we're going to spend two hours and 20 minutes, I wanted all of that I could have gotten, I guess. Sure. I mean, I think that, but this, and this is to me, this is why I love Spike Lee so much. And this is why I think he is a really great, like masterful filmmaker is 
The same thing he doesn't do the right thing, which is vignetting a lot of stories within the neighborhood to give you the context of the neighborhood. So when you get to the end and, you know, you get Radio Raheem and all this other crazy shit that happens when everything's on fire, you realize it's not it's the people not the neighborhood that makes the thing makes the thing tick. What I think is interesting is this movie is much more global in that sense. This is not about the neighborhood. This is about a person in the neighborhood who is simply trying to get out. And I think that's kind of the thing that is a, like Jesus's journey through all of this shit. Like you were saying, like this 40 days in the desert that Jesus has to go through. And it's customary, of course, because we're in the middle of Lent. Thank you, mom. I remembered. Um <laughs> <laughs> It's, it is this weird kind of, it is this weird kind of thing where instead of it being about this love letter, like this love letter to Brooklyn or this love letter to New York, this love letter to this section of the neighborhood, it is about this love letter of those who got out. It's a fascinating thing to me what he does with Ray Allen's character, because then when you see, when you see Jake Shuttlesworth back, when Denzel Washington's walking through the neighborhood and all this shit it's it's a new it's a new place it's a foreign land like this is a man who literally could go to the basketball court drink on the court with his friends and while people watch like watch him play basketball with his kid fast forward 10 15 years later he's a stranger he's an unknown he nobody cares nobody wants to see him everybody treats him that way from boo boo his from his daughter boo boo up through you know mila jovovich in the strangest uh side piece of the entire movie but we'll get to that <laughs> Literally. Yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah, I've got thoughts on that bit. No, but I think this is the weird thing too, is I feel like this is the movie that has the least texture as far as representing New York in the neighborhood, right? Like it felt very generic when it's on the court. There's an enormous amount of truth between the actors, right? The court feels like a real world. But as far as, like, the locations and this, I have no vibe for this neighborhood, I felt like, throughout the movie, which is really strange for Spike Lee, right? He's one of those completely tied to New York filmmakers. He just has the voice of that city. I didn't really feel that as much in this, and I wonder if that was an aesthetic choice to kind of play with this. Nothing feels real to Jesus, which is another reason he can't wait to get the fuck out of Coney Island. Well, I think... Because everywhere he turns is just another facade... And another fucking lie, another fucking smile and a handout. So I wondered if that was maybe an intentional, you know, bit. Could be. I mean, the thing that always that I always notice about this movie is all of the major moments for Jesus, like particularly with Lala, who which is probably the character who most emotionally resonates with Jesus a lot of the time, because not only is he she saying she loves him, but you always know there's something going on simply because she's in his orbit you know there's something going on on the side, and then obviously it ends up being the case. But, like, the only things that he does with her is go to Coney Island, uh, to the um, to the pier. Like, that I think is a really important thing, because that is what ties me to the New York thing, is that he's from Coney Island. Everyone calls him Jesus of Coney Island. I've been to New York. I've worked in New York before. I've actually never been to Coney Island still. But I know what a carnival looks like when I see it, and I like that all these intense conversations – about tell like, me please coastal alex what is a carnival fuck tell you. me please <laughs> you know what a carnival is actually a simple midwestern folks don't have these boardwalks and carnivals. that's not true i used to go to the carnivals when they set them up in the parking lots the traveling ones in the parking lots yeah. 
in Indiana all the time. But I mean, now that we're just doing humble brags, I mean, I have seen Ario Speedwagon at a at a fair. So is that a humble brag? Joke's on you. I don't even know. I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> but irregardless, but not irregardless, not a word. But regardless, like the two scenes I always notice towards the end when he basically breaks it off with her, and then the cutaway in that, which is them like on a, like I guess they're on some sort of uh, they're on some sort of Ferris wheel where she's like basically discuss her having an abortion like it's crazy to me and that's the thing i like about spike lee is juxtaposing these heavy intense adult conversations against the backdrop of a fucking carnival like it recontextualizes this is like these are still kids like this is where they're gonna hang out even though they have to deal with all this heavy shit and have this like serious conversation about the next 50 years of their lives and where they're gonna go and he and he knows that she's not in it because she loves him that I think is the really cool part. Yeah, that is something I really well, like I mean, about. That's... But that's what I like about this Spike Lee movie is it's not about the neighborhood this time. It is strictly about this relationship. The neighborhood is really the background this time. It's yeah, rare. well, if you bond too much to the neighborhood and it becomes too much of a character, it I I think that pulls him in too deep, right? Right. But it doesn't I bother think, me that it's this not is the, New like, York. Even when, yeah, sure. I just it it felt. It's an unusual thing for him, so I wondered if it was on purpose. I would assume so. Yeah, I mean, I think I think Lala is an interesting example, too, because she's another one of those that just has the line. He has this conversation like six fucking times where she's just like, why shouldn't Lala get a piece? And in your brain, you're like, why the fuck should you yeah. get any of his like potential fortunes? And you're like, because everyone knows, right? And that's the hard part about being him. When, it, when the ESPN jokingly is like Jesus saves, right? They're talking about, oh, he'll bring us some ratings, numbers, maybe a fucking banner. The people in his orbit are legitimately taking that as honest truth. Yeah. Right? We hear uh, his uncle talk about the amazing house he's going to buy, right? With the pool in the backyard and the grass. And so this isn't just Jesus escaping, right? Like, I remember watching that 30 for 30 broke. And you just hear the pressure of not only must you train and be good at the sport, but then you got to, you know, keep being better and not get hurt because if you get hurt, you could blow it for your whole fucking family and everyone you've ever loved. Who's now putting that on you, which is a fucking insane thing to say to a fucking child playing a child's game. Right. It it is this, you know, turning your child into this fucking scratch off ticket, but you understand why. Right. So that's, that's the thing I think is, it's not, and I think that's why it's awesome that Spike Lee made this movie because he's an avid basketball fan and this and that. So he knows that the people who are doing that are not always just these predatory, you know, money grabs, no. right? That you know, I mean, this is helping out your own, and it's 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 hard, man. If I had a bunch of money, I'd want to do whatever I could for I think, my fucking parents. I think the best. I just don't have that. I think the best example of that conversation, like of the six times he has to have this this conversation in the movie, the best one is with his little sister who it's fast because that's the thing I like the most. That scene is tragic though. Oh my God. It's terrifying though, because she sits there and she literally says, my friends say that I don't have to go to school anymore because you're going to be rich and take care of me. And he literally almost slaps the shit out of her saying like, not only that, she says, I will be so famous, right? Yeah. She, his sister, will be so famous because of what he does. 
I think that moment's sad, too, because you see now that it's infected his house. Oh, yeah. And he's like, God damn it, dude. Because they well, just talk about how the phone's ringing off the hook all day. Uncle Bubba is there. Like Brutal. You're trying to figure out what... While, and again, in the context of they're in the apartment that clearly someone else is paying for. So it just it shows you this kind of... It is the Faustian bargain, right? Yeah. Like, of course I'll take the apartment so I can provide better for my sister. All right, well, why wouldn't you take the $36,000 watch? Like, once you start taking stuff... And I think that's the cool thing, watching Jesus draw his lines in the sand, right. right? He knows he shouldn't talk to Lala's agent friend. He knows that's no good. Right. But he goes, right? He could get in trouble for that. Just that meeting alone is enough to get him to risk his future. Right. But he knows that when he gets there, he'll say no to the rest of it. Also, we just kind of brush over the fact that the Rosario Dawson's like, hey, I'll fuck this other guy in the in pool. In the pool in front of you. While you're having a meeting. <laughs> I mean, not fuck, but like, you know. If my wife came out and I was wrestling a lady in the pool like that while she's having a business meeting, um, I'd be in deep shit. Like, yeah. a lot of shit. I think everybody would. But, it's pretty shocking. <laughs> but that's the cool thing. Jesus is always like, I know the boundary, right? So he's trying to make everyone as happy as he can. Well, I think, But also, he's got to protect. I think that's the thing that's so fascinating about that scene is you think like at the very beginning, like in the very beginning of the movie, like when he shows up late for the bus and she's like pissed at him, you're like, wow, this is a woman who like kind of has his ear. And then the phone call and you see that she's fucking the other guy. And then you see that scene and you know that he knows, like he knows this is all bullshit. Like she's just in it for like, right. she's one of the many that just want a piece of him. And that's like, right. Well, the bus thing, you're like, all right, she's helping him be honest, right, right? right? You have to get to class. You think she's an ally. And then they do that, like, Japanese horse shot of, like, the fucking hand on her shoulder. Yeah. She's like, wow, wow, Yeah, that's, what, blah, I, yeah, that's what I was talking about. It's uh, like, yeah, but that's where, you, that's how the audience knows. Like, that's the thing is, like, we all see that. And, and then like, she says, I love you. It's like, whoa. This and is like, what I mean, though. This movie is so fucking tragic for Jesus. It's. Well, again, like that sports center piece shows it is like, look at this fucking happy go lucky saved his sister. Awesome guy. And every scene we see, you're like, this fucking sucks to be Jesus. Right. Which is insane to say the best basketball player guy in a, a sports movie. You actually feel horrible for him. And I think this is where we could have used more of that Denzel. Right. The guy who's like. Essentially would be espousing you're everything I want to be. And having to see how fucking empty and hollow and vapid he left his son's life. I don't know. I mean, this is something I was going to run by you. Yeah. I think this movie has a, and I don't want to say it's a, a a bad decision, right? But I think you could argue that there is no arc for Denzel in this, right? That he, I don't think he ever fully confronts the sins of the, it's weird that he's not on a redemptive arc in this movie. Right. See, About the second time he meets him, it's a pretty straight up like, hey, here's the paper. This is what they want. And then by the time we get to that final one on one, I feel I don't feel like there's like a big redemptive pathway in this movie. What did you make of that between uh, Jesus and his dad? See, and this is like this is probably why I like this movie is it does not do this redemption for him. Like for me, Jake Shuttlesworth leaves prison fully cooked. He knows he is not redeem redeemable. Like, 
The only thing he tries to do is buy his daughter Skittles. That's literally the only thing he does that's even remotely redemptive in some ways. Like, I want to do something yeah. nice for my daughter. It's like, okay, but you have <laughs> Well, they also do the weird he wants to save Mila Jovovich because that'll make up for the wife he murdered. Yeah. Like, again, this is the, to me, this is the half hour of the movie and get cut out. Like, I've never. Throw it out. Like it all the fucking way out. It makes no sense. It's literally just like it's such a weird detour in the movie. Well, it's like literally. <laughs> you're like, imagine if all those scenes were spent with his children. Right. Right. Like it's quite literally those, like, something for him to do while Ray Allen go visits colleges. That's it. <laughs> Which is, you know, whatever. Yeah. That's a choice. It's not my choice. I would just cut cut it out of the movie. But to me, Denzel Washington's not meant to redeem himself in this movie. He comes out of jail with a mission not to redeem himself, but with a mission for freedom. It's very, those are two very different things. And the thing that I think is most tragic about that is that he knows that that is the saddest part is he knows there is no way back. He did what he did killing your, like, I cannot imagine thinking there's any way to like for a child who grew up without, a father to get over the death of their mother at the hands of their father. Like that's an unbelievably unforgivable thing. No matter how old you get, no matter how mature you become, no matter how many times you recontextualize it, you can't, you can apologize for it a million times, a trillion times. It doesn't change that when you were young enough, that's why Batman's Batman. There is no apologizing for it. It's over. It's like that weird, that weird saying my grandpa used to say, you can't undick that egg. It's like, what does that mean? Whatever that means. And he yeah. would say that when he would crack eggs. Be like, can't undick the egg. That egg. Right. Like, you throw know, it away. Again, and I was like, like, is that a life lesson? I don't know. Again, I mean. How are you cracking those eggs open, there's Grandpa? Nothing, there's, nothing, <laughs> there's nothing apologetic about Jake Shuttlesworth because he's not trying to apologize. He's trying to get out of prison. This is. But, okay. He, but he like everyone else, has, a, has an MO. That's it. I mean, sure, but. I don't, this is, I mean, I, he, again, we got to talk about the movie as is, not what would be. Right. I told, well, this then, movie, the ahead. ending of the movie we'll get to really bothers me, but you can't have the ending where he's sitting in the stands with a red sweater and his arm around his daughter and they lock eyes like it's all going to be okay. But there, I, I wanted a moment. I was hoping for one moment where he at least mildly recognizes kind of the gravity of what's happening. They felt... And this, this again gets back to the Spike Lee hand in this is I think he just, he plays it really earnest. Like this is probably very close to what would actually happen. Yeah. Not the premise of the movie that we're sold, but this is how, because the thing about that final one-on-one -on -one scene I love, right? Is they're, they're going at it and they're fighting, right? And the symbolism of what they're both playing and fighting for is pretty obvious. But what I think is really beautiful about that moment is that it's these two guys that are just facing insurmountable struggles and obstacles right things that they won't be able to defeat and will probably haunt them forever in a way jesus will you know hopefully eventually pass his but there's a moment when they're just playing one-on-one -on -one when they can each kind of turn each other into the sole not villain but opposing force mm -hmm. right and it the world can become so small that it just makes sense. And in that moment, even the dad that killed your mom, he's the only guy you can kind of do that with, right? It's the only place where Jesus can be 
all the way Jesus, right? So I think that that moment is really beautiful. The finale, when he just hands him the envelope, I was hoping for just, because I think Denzel even says the line, he's like, Jesus scores a bucket and it's 1-1 and he's like, can we just get over the dead mom thing already? Can I be your dad again? And I was like, what kind of just not reading the room comment is that? It, and I was like, maybe that's that's just wish. That's what it, that's exactly thinking. what it is. And know. to me, though, like the non-redemptive thing that he goes, the non-redemptive journey that Jake goes on culminates not in redemption, but in the word would be, I guess, acceptance. Because what it ends, yeah. the, the, this when it ends, like when the cops pull up, he's about to be taken back to Attica. He gives them that line, and I will not repeat it because it has a bad word in it, but not a bad word that we're not allowed to say on anywhere ever. But um, it's a really important moment where he says, like, you got to get that hatred out of your heart. That yeah, that is the that is like the that if there's any sort of arc, that is the Jake Shuttlesworth arc, which is. The only thing he has to do, like it, it begins with him. Oh, I could get out of jail. I could get out of prison. I just convince my kid who absolutely hates me. I have to convince him a to talk to me and b. Which, by the way, to go to this. We got to stop for a second and just talk about this genius governor, who's like, "How do I get Jesus to play basketball at my school?" Well, let's see. Oh yeah, I'll send the guy that murdered his mom to hang out with him for a week. It's it's the worst plan of all time. It's insane. Like again, like I, but the actual plot of this movie is hilarious because not only is that his plan, but then he's like, "Wait, actually, give him real food poisoning, so you can take him to a brothel house and give him a credit card." Like, I was like, "There's so many, there's so many moments of stupidity crammed in like, so fast." You're like, "There it is." It's like that gif of all the hot dogs hitting yeah. that lady in the face, and you're like. All right, I'm just the hot dog lady now. Like I can't fight anymore. <laughs> I'm not saying that these whites have don't have crazy Dukes of Hazard style plans for uh, <laughs> for these people, but for, <laughs> for convincing Jesus Shuttlesworth to go to you're big... saying the governor was boss hogging it. <laughs> yes, pretty much. Like, there ain't no way <laughs> this plan won't work this episode. <laughs> I'm not saying that Boss Hog and the the clan here didn't have a plan to. Uh, like it's so overtly racist to me. Those and they're like, we want him to go to big state, and I'm like, okay, well, seems uncomfortable. Like that's the other thing too that I like about <laughs> this movie is every single white character wants the wrong, like wants the wrong piece. Like even the coach, the coach is supposed to be this person who's like purely there to like help you build your skill, and he's like. Oh, hey, you got to tell me where you're going. Hey, you know. Hey, hey, oh, hey, oh. hey oh, yeah, I got 10 grand. Hey, hey get kid, you took the do re me. You know what I mean? And then you're just like. <laughs> but though, there, there's not a single person in the movie who rises above this with Jesus. Not one. You could argue maybe his aunt. Maybe right? his aunt. Maybe Booger. But what is she talking about with her husband behind closed doors? You don't know. She right? walks out he's of the like, room you're in on she it too. She's innocent, like, man. oh. It's bullshit. I mean, she might be protesting too much. Like, they're doing a good cop, exactly. bad cop routine. It's, But no, but I think that's the nice thing is that what, what Denzel does, right, is not redemption. But when he says, let hate out of your heart or you'll be like me, right? Yeah. What he's saying is essentially, I am not worth that hatred for you. Right. I have fucked up. 
and I will not be a part of whatever's going on with you, right? Right. You can make me as small as you want and, you know, keep as much of me in your life as you want, but don't let me become this big looming figure, right? right? The way I think he he thinks of himself, right? When everyone, you know, I think it's that guy who drives around in the red car just to monologue big time or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, your dad could play some ball, right? And you're like, so he, I think, you know, Jesus's uh, version of this is obviously himself. Right. I think Denzel's always grappling with this, what could I have been? Right, totally. And I and think the wife and kids and family, that becomes your, oh, they interrupted me. Well, no, they didn't. You weren't going to make it. But, right. you know, those guys finding it. And I think you see that with these parents that are just overly. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's just abusing Jesus at the start of this movie. Totally. Like, that's just straight up I abuse. I mean, I think that's the thing about <laughs> Jake's redemption in general is that his, his acceptance of the acceptance that Jake's ha- Jake has is that the father's size shadow that looms over Jesus is so great that that's like the thing he has to tell his son is not go here, go there, do this, do that. It's the only thing you have to do is you, but what you have to do is let go of me completely. You cannot let me dominate your, you can't let me dominate your brain space. And like, that's the crazy thing to me is Jesus spends like the first thing he does is call him a stranger when he sees him first thing he does when he shows up in the house is like what's what, well, they do that, in the house? that frankenstein jump cut right yeah so jesus sees him and they do the frankenstein jump cut where he's just like oh fuck yeah it's almost like you're entering the matrix at that point you're like totally. this isn't he's out but of that, prison what but that's like that's what it is to me is it's for someone who you're ignoring and saying is a stranger he has this huge influence over how you perceive people and how you walk throughout the world and to a point it's helpful because obviously Jesus is very specific about the people he tries to get in his orbit and also about not getting in trouble, not letting people give him money, so on and so forth. The only time it's interesting, the only time he's willing to put himself in some form of danger is actually to get into big time's car to avoid his father. Like that is kind of like the biggest, (laughs) (laughs) like, that's probably the most dangerous thing he can do is literally get into probably I'm assuming is a very wealthy drug dealer's car to be driven to school. And that to me is a symbol of that's how important Jake is to Jesus. So at the end of the movie, when Jake, when Jake tells him like, don't be like me, do not become your father. That is the acceptance that Jake's like, I'm going to go back to prison. I'm probably never going to see you again. That's probably for the best. Be completely different from me. Be a success. Be that person that I really wanted to be that I turned you in, that I tried to mold you into, but you're better than I ever was. He has all the skills and all that stuff. Like that I better in a lot better in every facet. He raised he raised boobies. There's, like, a, there's a lot yeah, of Yeah, but I mean there's a weird there's a weird kind of theory of that scene though, which is in a way, he didn't do all the way bad by Jesus, right? That the horrible things that led him to the abuse and murder technically are going to make your life pretty good, Jesus. So, hey, come on. <laughs> but that's not what, he, but that's not and, what he's hanging on his kid. And I think the movie's kid. endorsing that because Jesus chooses that school. Right. But So, in a weird way, he chooses to, and he thinks, get his dad out. Right? That The biggest problem with the ending of this movie, besides that it is just poppycock across the board right is that one i thought for sure they were shooting denzel i'm like what 
So they're going to shoot him after they say you're not getting out and do the cover-up so he can throw the ball over to repeat the petulant child act that Jesus did? Fine. Film school stuff. Fine. That's fine. What? <laughs> the The fact that the movie stops. This is one of my biggest pet peeves in movies. The movie stops when everything's about to get super interesting. <laughs> because is Jesus going to just keep playing for this school that – the other school gave him all these orgies and Rick Fox, right? They just ran the the entire white girl parade at him. And John Turturro right? in my favorite, one of my favorite John Turturro John cameos Turturro ever. That. He's like, I prayed. Well, that guy was like, that guy's not, he's not a sealed the deal coach. It's a funny cameo, but what? But that's what I mean. So that Great school cameo. ran it out. You know, that's where he wanted to go, right? Yeah. Or go pro. He went to the school. He made the bargain to try to get his dad out. Right. When his dad doesn't get out, do you think he's going to be like, yeah, I'll just keep being a four-year senior. It's fine. I won't uh, possibly mention that the governor sent my dad with a letter, you know, and it's a whole vast conspiracy. Or that no reporter's like, hey, we should probably interview that felon that walked out of jail and ended up at the brothel. Oh, and his son is the number one college. That's what I mean. It's like, I feel like, the movie is so fucking long. And then in that last five minutes, you're like, oh, fuck, this should have been the first five minutes of the movie. We could have done the story from here and it would have been awesome. Well, no, the story was not. The story afterwards, I feel like, is more interesting than the story I watched. I would very much disagree with that. Now you're doing vast government conspiracies. Mixed with basketball. All right. Well, in that X Files episode, his you way may out, live. Throwing the rest of us are going to watch. He got game. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to watch. He got boned by the governor, and he's coming out for revenge. Yeah. Well, that's called systemic racism. We've been watching that forever. Anyways, um, regardless, that's true. Good. Fair point. Yeah. Thank well you. Well played. <laughs> I, I don't think. <laughs> listen. I think we all know exactly what ended up happening at the end of this movie, which is systemic racism one again. And that's really kind of like, yeah. again, that is a big part of what Spike Lee makes in these kinds of movies. It's why Black Klansman is so good. It's why Do the Right Thing is so good. It's why He Got Game is good because the message at the end is less about, it's less about, but I mean, obviously this one is a dream sequence. Like I like that kind of thing. This is about relieving yourself of your hope to be a free person and accepting accepting responsibility for what you've done that's why he doesn't really that tossing of the ball is accepting responsibility that's the that's that's, that's the apology you're looking for the entire movie that doesn't exist he's like i in this ball like the monster ball in space jam he's yeah. like this holds all the guilt for murdering my wife over a children's game Boo. now i'm happy no yes <laughs> what i think it, is, it is, is i think that's denzel throwing away his hoop dream right and just realizing he is what he is. That's throwing right? that away wasn't his this... dreams in general. That's what it is. But I think all of his dreams came down to that court. And I think that's what Spike does really well in this movie. Is he shows you how this big, awful, scary world, when you're on that court, it all makes sense, right? right? There are rules. It, It's poetry in motion, right? It just, it, it, it's this little thing. It's, it's why we like movies and metaphors and sports, because it takes all this fucking nonsense into one thing, right? I got to worry about one guy, me and one guy, one-on-one. -on -one. There are rules. There's a hoop and one ball. You know, if I'm just better than one guy, I can win instead of, well, oh, now I have to deal with this vast government conspiracy. Right. That's harder to take on. Right. So I think I think that stuff, 
really worked a lot for me, right? Like, because there is this weird, this weird thing that Spike does, which you kind of see at the end when he's throwing away his guilt about killing his wife, because he's like, "Well, I saved one hooker, one for one. It works." Woof! He throws the ball, and he's like, "God, I feel light as a, a feather, right? I'm saved." <laughs> the guy doesn't shoot him, but anywho. What I what he does so well in this movie, which is strange, is and I've always thought this is a strange thing that Spike Lee's managed to achieve in a lot of his movies. He has so many techniques that are constantly reminding us of the medium, right? Yes. The he takes away that invisible hand theory of film, and it's it's constantly in your face. This is a movie. This is not real, while still achieving a lot of realism. Yes. Which is insane. Like the the Ray Allen reading the letter from his mom is probably. One of my two or three favorite moments in the movie, right? Mm-hmm. When he went away to camp. And, uh, you know, so you see the mom reading it. You see him as a kid. You see him now. And it's all these things. It's like, we don't need all of that. It could have just been Ray Allen reading aloud or his sister reading. You know, you could do them in ways to where it's not film, film, film. But Spike has always found this awesome way of he's willing to remind you of the medium and pull you a little bit out. But because the effect of what he's using is so great, it balances out. Does that make any sense? What I just said. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a bit. Of, I'm not a math guy. You're not. Math you're not guy. I mean, we're both. You know, we're both amateur film theorists of some kind. So. <laughs> <laughs> Emphasis on the amateur. I mean, I no, but I get what you're saying. Like to me, that's what makes Spike Lee such an imaginative filmmaker. Is okay. So here's a here's a good corollary, right? Did you see the Babysitter? Uh, about the evil Satanist babysitter on Netflix or whatever. It's a, I think it's Mick G who directed yeah, it. Yeah, I've seen he it. does the same thing where it's like words on the screen, like, oh, fuck. Mm-hmm. And every time he does something like that, I'm like, oh, like he just pulls me out. I'm like, why did you need that? Like, show me the character's face being horrified by what he sees. You don't have to write fuck on the screen, right? It pulls me out. Those kind of techniques that are sometimes style because you don't believe in what you're doing. Right. And I think, Spike Lee's the master of it is the same kind of technique, but done to the the proper effect, well, right? Where it's not pulling. It's actually pulling you in as you're you're not sitting in this illusion. Well, right? that's you're what it is like bubbled out. That's what that's why Spike Lee is Spike Lee. Like what you're talking yeah. about is a stylistic choice because you make it because of budget and because you don't want to have to you don't want to you want a PG-13 rating. What Spike Lee, I'm not saying the babysitter's (laughs) PG-13, but I'm saying you make that decision for a different reason besides the reason Spike Lee's making it. Spike Lee makes a decision like that because what he wants to do is give you the subtext of what he's trying to tell you. Like, we talked about this before the pod. The first shot of this fucking movie is a kid playing basketball in a fucking cornfield like Hoosiers. Like, it was right out of Hoosiers. It me. That was but my life. That to me, then that's like the whole beginning of the movie is, and all, I mean, oh man, we're like running short on time, but we have to talk about Aaron Copeland's score in this movie, which might be the best. We haven't gotten to the score or the prostitution. <laughs> well, we don't need to talk about the prostitution thing because it's literally inconsequential to the movie. We have to talk about Aaron Copeland. Though. What the fuck were they thinking? That's that. That'll be my whole prostitution bit. Yeah. What? Why? I'm telling you, it's one for one. I and mean, that basketball look, I'm not the zero. saying that you're not wrong. I'm saying I Negative disagree with the point one, of it zero. being, and let's just let's airball that one back to uh, the cutting room floor, <laughs> and we'll be done with it. 
Aaron. And I would never be for removing Mila Jovovich from a movie. This just doesn't. So the movie obviously has like like um, Chuck D did the song for the soundtrack. He got game, but the main the the main score for the movie (laughs) is the orchestral arrangements from Aaron Copeland, which are. And this is something that Spike Lee always does. He has a very bombastic score. Like the music is always very important and very relevant. (laughs) It's fucking incredible. Like it should not work I on cannot, any level. Wait, wait. Are you saying incredible because you think it works, or like how the fuck did this happen? Oh, I think it works. It totally works <laughs> on me. I fucking love it. I wrote down a couple. If you want to hear, I said, "What is the?" Uh, it was like the psycho violin for the opening of seeing white kids playing basketball across the cornfields. It was like <laughs> and then there was the uh, the first time we see Ray Allen and his team play basketball. Yeah. It goes. It's almost like knights marching to battle into a spaghetti western. No, it's the. But uh, my well, absolute it's, favorite. It's moment. a very specific piece of like. This is why it's in the movie, though. This is the thing I love the most about including Aaron Copeland orchestration in the movie. Is can I tell you my favorite one though? Sure. Is when Denzel prematurely ejaculates and they just go heavy on that sad woodwind. It's so fucking funny. It is very funny. I had it's to great. watch it like three times. It's the sad. I'm like, oh, you had to add insult to injury by woodwinding. I love, I love it, dude. That's what it is. It's a whole other character in the movie. Like using Aaron Copeland orchestration is so important in this movie because it recontextualizes Americana for me. Like basketball is so much more important than baseball in places like new york to be honest with you like i know stickball is popular but man those courts are legendary those are very important places i mean like i've worked i've worked in new york i've driven past those places they are packed oh well, if you do it now everyone is more basketball like yeah. basketball is surpassed baseball i now, think so too basketball is beyond reproach one of the great american moments so to use yeah. aaron copeland as the orchestration to and like i fucking the juxtaposition of them playing with that um i don't remember the name of the piece but that like western orchestral bit is let's call it rawhide it's so good i i love aaron copen like aaron copen was one of my favorite composers when i was like in high school and through college i had to read a lot of aaron copen books when i took like music theory classes it's <laughs> unbelievable but it works because I was just out there getting boards. I didn't have time for all this Copelanding. But it works really well because <laughs> it recontextualizes what has otherwise been a really like specifically Western, so to speak, sound. It recontextualizes it in another variety of Americana that I think it needs to be a part of. And I think that's an inspired choice on Spike Lee's part. It I mean, maybe I get what you're saying. Like, that's a that's an interesting theory. It's another <laughs> of those things where it just constantly is like, wait, what? <laughs> I had to do that like five times. <laughs> uh, the Denzel. Just everyone go back and watch the premature ejaculation scene with just the sad woodwind music. I mean, even- it sounds like it sounds like leave it to beaver music but he finds out his dog died and it's like the the music when jake kills his wife is incredible there should not be a more emotional gut-wrenching moment and on top of that it's heightened by this like horrific string piece that is 
gut-wrenching and terrifying it's the music you play when you're about to get caught by a murderer in a movie and it like fucking works in my notes i wrote et's music question mark like it sounds like a scene from et right and then it's like hey let me smack my son up and fucking break my wife and i was like what is happening it's fucking insanity it's it's in, it's an insane series of music with image. It is, and it works for me every time. <laughs> That's good. I mean, I don't even know who Aaron Copeland is until we started talking about this. Well, you know. Again, I was out on the courts. I was getting up my jumpers. I didn't have time for all this fancy book learning like you did. Oh, sorry. I also did that while I was playing basketball. My bad. <laughs> I mean... Yeah, that's sure. right. You were more of a booger. I was more of a Jesus. That's number one, uh, number one rebounder, Aurora High School. You're welcome. <laughs> number one rebounder and points. Oh my God. And points. Yeah, you were the get out of the way guy. That was and you. points freshman year. Oh my God! Here we are, just touting all of our. My minor God, I'm, I'm basically the Jesus Shuttlesworth of Aurora High School. <laughs> uh, I can't even finish. Well, I couldn't even finish that sentence without ever. laughing. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I think it's it's one of those things is I feel like it's a really it sounds crazy to say this because it's so long, but it felt incomplete to me in a way, but I can get not that. in a way where it, it hurts the film to me. Right. Sure. It just feels like walking through the real world and we'll never have the full story. I mean, I right. And I, I really like that. that he didn't go with the saccharine like. Denzel's a free man and they hug at the end, right? That's not how the world works. Right. So, I mean, it is, it's just, it's weird. It's this big kind of meandering movie that has this insanely dense, awesome struggle at the core of it, right? Yes. This father-son struggle, right? The end of a man and the birth of the son. And it just... I, I don't know. I, while I would have wanted more of that, I didn't feel let down by the other stuff I got, right? I agree. It's it's a really interesting movie, and it's just – I think that's what's always fun is you just – there aren't – that's why guys like Spike Lee are so fascinating is because he makes Spike Lee joints. There aren't – There are no there movies just, like you Spike know, Lee movies. Ten guys that make movies that look like Spike Lee movies and move and feel like Spike Lee movies. No, he's the only one who does this. Yeah, and so it's him doing what he does best, and Denzel just fucking killing it. Yeah, and the cast across the board is just great, pretty good. Except Ray for that, Allen, except for that guy who I believe level. is a real life agent. Because if he's not, he's the worst actor. Oh ever. my god, the Italian agent. That was so bad. That was so bad. I think when he tries to explain why he should go with him rather than a black agent, I'm like, this is borderline uncomfortable. Like also, oh, about the color green, the color green. I'm like, which is weird because that's another thing they repeat in the movie we're covering next week. White men can't jump. <laughs> that's a recurring theme in our basketball movies this month. The color green. Yes. Um. Yeah. It's. I don't know. It's. It's just. I. When you have something so good, I think most people are like, "That's where the meat is. Let's build everything around." And this one meanders a little more, and I'm not again. I'm not saying that to be an absolute negative on the no, film, but you're not it's, wrong. It's a fascinatingly put together piece. You're not wrong. It does meander, and it does end sort of abruptly, where you're like, "Oh wow, that is like." There's really no good resolution to this story, but 
it surprisingly just always works for me. I have no idea why. I could not explain it. If I could, I would be much more erudite than I am on this podcast. But it's well, a movie like that erudite. I've watched a lot that I always feel. I, like especially the last thirty minutes of the movie that I always feel. It's it's a fascinating. Right, it's a you fascinating. You can just watch Spike that Lee one joke. on one scene, and you're like, that shit's always gonna work. That is the classic struggle. That's the the fucking hero's journey and the the extra gravity of that scene. Watching Denzel just fucking milk that scene. Yeah. How could you not enjoy that? I mean, that's that's, that's the thing. Not all movies, and actually, I would say probably no movies except for maybe like Beethoven and Men in Black are perfect movies, right? So you just got to take the great stuff uh, with you and throw the. Uh, prostitution subplot out the window i mean again it's it's a rare thing for someone in a movie by spike lee and i that might just be because they've worked together for so long but it's rare for a filmmaker like spike lee to get out of the way of denzel washington and let him do his thing and it's just amazing to watch yeah well like i always remember the little moments with them like when he kind of finally lays his plan out and Denzel goes in for the the hug and it's unreturned, right? Like those little, those moments in the film, right? That's what you're there for. It doesn't matter if they do an ESPN montage and, yeah. you know, go to an agent's house or this and that, right? That moment, that unreturned hug, you know, you know the one him that, yelling at his sister. Those are the moments you're there for. The one that I always remember actually is after um, when Jesus is little and he throws the ball into the, into the um, park. He walks off the court, and that should be where the bit ends. And I don't know if Denzel – I don't know if this was written, but Denzel Washington is like takes – takes a swig or whatever he's drinking and then just says, I can't believe he did that. Like says it to himself, and I'm like, that's real. That's got to be real. That could not have been written in the script. That's got to be Denzel Washington just inhabiting that character. And that's that's the power of what Denzel Washington does so well. Yeah, and that's where meandering is good because the moment he does that, like, Damn, I can't believe you threw that over the fence. Like, you're like, oh, shit, yeah. that has to be answered for. Absolutely. And they kind of had hinted that, but that's what I mean. I I think it's a, it's a very interesting film. I had never, this was the first time for me. It is not at all the movie I thought I was going to get. Um, You know, and that's also a fun thing, too. Uh, So that's it, guys. That's the end of He Got Game. You Got Pod. Mission accomplished. <laughs> All right, guys, please take a second. Wordplay. Leave us a rating and review. How dare you? That's just another pod stat I pulled down on your ass. <laughs> Boom, baby. The Jesus of pods. That's me. Uh, yeah, so leave us a rating and review, especially on Apple Podcasts app. Subscribe to the YouTube channel, Film Alchemist. Email the show, filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. You can find us on all the social media that you're on. We're there, too. Uh, reach out to us, guys. Let us know what you want to hear about. We're doing a lot more new movies, uh, looking for guests all the time, so reach out to us. Uh, next week, we break down the science and uh, finally answer the age-old question. Can white men jump? No. Join us. Yeah. These two? No. <laughs> science is it. Science says no here. <laughs> However, number one on boards, Roar High School, freshman year. <laughs> Fuck up. I've also been to New York. <laughs> I hate you. Ha, 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 ha.